0: Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Baseline with Coach P. Our great guest today I'm excited for is our varsity assistant and defensive coordinator of the Anawan-Weathersfield Football Co-op and that's Mr. Joe Schmidt. How you doing, Coach? I've missed the heck out of you.
1: Miss you too, Coach. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, you know, I think a lot of people when they start listening to this podcast are going to think, well, oh, these two knuckleheads are going to start talking sports, and they're going to go on and on and on, And uh, but we've got a little bit uh, more important topic in, in our minds today uh, to talk about and that's kind of what's going on in, the, in our uh, country right now and in the world, for that matter. Um, we're not just dealing with sports today. We're going to hit some uh, very, very important topics. We're going to deal with uh, multicultural differences. We're going to talk about racism, and we're going to talk about how we can educate our youth and community about this because uh, I think that's huge for us. You know, I think we're looked upon as, as coaches, as leaders, and, and I feel like we can impact our youth. Uh, by not just sitting behind uh, the table and not saying anything, I think we need to get out and actually talk about it uh, and address it. So we're, almost, we're ready for that. What do you think, Coach? Critical,
1: critical. Can't wait. Let's get it going. Uh,
0: everyone knows Coach Schmidt. I mean, you've got a great relationship with all your players and students, and, you know, I've seen that firsthand. Uh, tell us a little bit about your personal background and
1: how you got to where you are now. Sure, Uh, I grew up in Anawan, um, typical working class family. My dad worked at John Deere. Uh, He runs a small business, small antique business. Uh, My mom was a stay-at-home mother um, and helped my dad uh, with the antique business, uh, a brother and a sister. um, And, you know, growing up in Anawan in the the mid-90s, you know, I didn't have much exposure to African-Americans Um, And, you know, to be, to be quite frank, I wasn't a model citizen. Um, I used racial slurs around my friends. Uh, I told inappropriate jokes. I mean, I I was part of the problem. Um, No doubt about that. Um, I'm not proud of that. But that that is part of my past. Uh, And I feel like it's important to um, bring that up and understand that racism can be unlearned i would never i would never say racial slurs around my family um, but within the confines of my peers uh, i found myself using inappropriate um, uh, language and you know racism can be unlearned it isn't it isn't something that uh, can't be fixed and I think the number one thing is acknowledging that I exist. Um, so on on with my journey at Anoan, uh, you know, I played football, I played basketball, ran track, um, normal knucklehead kid, had a great family, had a great community. Uh, the community really, really helped mold me uh, into, into the man that I've become. Um, but it it wasn't easy for the community or my, my parents. I, I, I did have some knucklehead tendencies. Um, I was a goofball. Uh, I went to Aurora university and played football there. Uh, met a lot of great people, uh, from diverse backgrounds, different social economical states. Um, you know, people from different cultures, uh, from people from different races. Um, and you know, um, had a had a great experience there, uh, and I met two of two of my best friends, uh, you know, lifelong friends, uh, Benny Boyd and Tyson Le, Tyson LeBlanc. Um, Benny and Tyson are cousins. Um, Tyson's from Sterling, Benny's from Dixon, and uh, we just we just had a great bond. I don't know what they saw in me, um, but um, we we just started hanging out, and we would hang out socially. Uh, you know, we would go to parties and things like that together. Uh, we ate lunch together uh, every day. Um, and it was us three. Sometimes it was just us three. Sometimes it was us three and, you know, three or four white guys. Sometimes it was us three and three or four black guys. Um, sometimes it was just us three. Um, but my, my I, I started to grow um, in and see people for who they were, which seems very obvious uh, as an adult, but at that time, um, you know that was that was something that was challenging um, for me. So Tyson and Benny uh, are both uh, African American. Their cousin Lashante uh, came and visited, and the rest is history. Right, um, she met me, I met her. Um, you know, uh, beautiful woman. Um, and we, we've been married now 11 years, um, and we have four four sons together. Uh, we we lived in the Chicagoland area from um, until 2010, and then we moved back in 2010. Uh, I had a cup of coffee out in San Diego for a little bit, worked in the private sector for a few years, but the majority of uh, my career has been in education, um, and it the, the, first, the first leg of it was in the Chicagoland area, and then now the second leg is here in, um, you know, rural, rural Illinois. Um, and we've been back in Aon for the past 10 years. And I, I currently, like you said, uh, coach at Weathersfield uh, and I have had a great experience there. Um, and, uh, you know, coach football.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and most, of, most of us all know you, Coach. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that background. There's no question. Um, knowing that, uh, you know, your wife is African-American and you're white coming from a rural uh, community, um, you know, we, I, we don't – I say we, I don't. And, and look at things any differently regardless of color. But, uh, you know, and that's how you said, get to know people and things like that. We both had great kids uh, to coach that were that were African-American obviously and, and great kids and families so you uh with you and your family you know um have you ran into any obstacles with your family and how'd you deal with that and was that a teachable moment for your sons I know they're young but uh you know they're always learning
1: sure sure uh no doubt um honestly no um I've not had blatant racism towards my family. Um, I've had conflicts and confrontation stemming from, you know, people using uh, outdated language or being flat out racist, but it hasn't been directed, um, you know, towards my family. Um, And I think, I'm not gonna speculate on why that is, I think, um, being outspoken, um, being who I am and my wife being who she is, um, I think has helped with that. Uh, not saying that it won't happen moving forward. Uh, I pray that it doesn't. Um, as far as, uh, you know, those confrontations and conflicts, like I've had conversations with I had a conversation with a teacher when I first moved back. Um, There's a referee that was officiating a game um, and she used the term colored to, to describe them. Um, and I said, you know, that that's an outdated term. Um, it, you can say black guy, you can say African-American, um, but colored is an outdated term. Um, you know, we, we don't really use that anymore. Uh, you know i I wish that the conversation ended there um, and I didn't have to continue to educate, uh, but in that particular instance uh, I did um, you know, I've confronted um, you know people using the the n word i mean uh, whether it's a kid who hears it in a song and feels like that's something that they can say because um, you know they're they're friends with a person of color, um, that that just doesn't fly around me because I think there's a racial undertone to it um, that I don't like, um, and it, and it's inappropriate. Um, I mean, look at me, man. I'm I'm ultra undercover brother because people look at me, and you know, I got a I got the the shaved head and I got the beard and. You know, I'm a country guy, you know, kids drive four-wheelers and you know, fish and we hunt and you know, like if people don't know who my family is, uh, then and they have those racial undertones. And again, just because someone hunts and fishes and is from out here doesn't mean that they're they're racist. Uh the vast majority of folks that I know are not. Um uh, a quick story, I went to get our quads worked on. Um, and it was, it was peak uh, George Floyd murder protest slash rioting and looting. And I I separate the rioting and looting from the protest, right? Those two things are mutually exclusive, mutually exclusive. And the uh, the person that was that was working on the quads, um, you know. Used used the N word to describe the the rioting and looting, um, and I I stopped him and said, hey, you know, uh, have you seen the videos of the the rioting and looting? Yeah, I can't do. You know, they're burning down, and so it's bad. It's not good. So do, do you see the people that are rioting and looting? Well, yeah. I said, well they're not all black folks, there's white folks, there's brown folks, Uh, you know, there's all kinds of folks that are involved with that. And when you say that word, it implies that it's all a certain group of people uh, and that's wrong. And uh, to that man's credit, he said, you know, uh, you're right, Uh, I think the media only shows us bits and pieces what they want. I said, I, I think you're exactly right. And they're trying to be divisive and, and cause a wedge. Um, and then I went on to say, you know, I, I know a lot of black folks and um, the black folks that I know um, are hardworking. Um, they're dedicated to their family. You know, they're church-going people. They're good people, right? They want what's best for their families. No different than, no different than you uh no different than me um and and into that he agreed um now do i think do i know that that's going to fix that individual person no um but i do know if i say nothing then i'm part of the problem um so having those conversations i think is important um now as far as teachable moments for my sons uh the Colin Kaepernick. So my son was in second grade, he came home from school and he's like, dad, um, you know, Colin Kaepernick is, he's against the United States of America. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Colin Kaepernick is having a peaceful protest. He's trying to spread awareness. And my wife did a much better job of articulating that um, and having that conversation. Uh, but that was a, a teachable moment to our older two sons, right? So uh, for everybody, I have a 10-year-old, a nine-year-old, a three-year-old and a newborn, uh, my wife and I do. So four sons, um, incredibly blessed, uh, very, you know, couldn't be happier, uh, but some of these conversations are are difficult to have. Um, another teachable moment, um, you know, uh, Ahmaud, Ahmaud Aubrey, like, um, you know, 2.23 miles, uh, run for mod. Um, you know, we know the story, you know, he was gunned down going for a jog. Um, so when that hit my boys, so that was like a month ago, right. Month and a half ago. Um, we had, we, me, my wife and I decided to have, um, some talks to our sons about our older two sons about what, how to handle that situation if you're ever in, you know, a negative situation like that. Um, And those are really, really difficult conversations. Um, And and a lot of it just stemmed, you know, just staying calm, being honest, um, telling folks where you're going, what your intentions are, things that you shouldn't have to have a conversation about with a nine and a 10 year old. Um, But unfortunately, uh, that 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 is where we're at. Um, I mean, Tamir Rice was 12 years old when he got gunned down in the park, playing cops and robbers with his friends. Uh, he was he was 12 years old. Um, that's wrong. That, that I my my I should not have to have those conversations with my sons, um, and I really hope not to have those conversations with my younger two sons. But uh, it is important that we start that dialogue, um, and understand, um, you know, some of the, the, um, some of the powers, some situations they, they have to treat differently than some of their friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, I appreciate you being so open about this because it's, it's something that needs to be discussed. And, um, you know we we need to, uh, as educators and as as people, obviously in our communities, make a difference with this. What is the biggest hurdle in overcoming racism? you know uh, what is, in your opinion, the biggest hurdle in overcoming racism?
1: Wow, that's a good question. uh that's a loaded question there's There's a lot of things that go into systematic racism, okay, so I think. The number one thing is acknowledging that there's a problem, and that seems incredibly obvious, right like absolutely of of, of course there's a problem right we 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 know that there's there's a problem um, so acknowledging that there's a problem and then you know having a clear have having clear talking points about what's going on, okay. Because uh, I think there are a lot of misconceptions about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and I think squashing those out and looking at the commonality, the those the Venn diagram, those circles that overlap, finding those circles that overlap, and making it about that. Right. So instead of making it about um, you know Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. Um, understand that you can't say blue lives matter and all lives matter without including black lives matter. So having that that uh, understanding of a black life is different because you were born black, right? So I love police for the most part. <laughs> and and I, I say that because the person the, the, the folks who killed George Floyd, I don't love those folks. Uh, the, the people that made a huge mistake and went in the wrong house and killed um, Brianna Taylor, nope. I, I don't like those folks. The, the folks that I love are the law enforcement folks that I know uh, and have always associated with. Um, you know, the vast majority of law enforcement are protecting and serving our communities uh, and doing a phenomenal job of, of doing that. Um, But I think a lot of folks associate Black Lives Matter with being anti-law enforcement. That simply isn't the case. Um, They're not anti-police. They're anti-police killing people who are unarmed. And I think all of us are anti-killing people that are unarmed, right? That's not, that's not anything new. We all want that. Uh, Black Lives Matter is anti-police brutality. I don't wanna get beat up by the police. Um, and I'm, again, I think the vast majority of police are doing great work and that, that isn't what they do. But the folks who do those things, uh, Black Lives Matter is working to get that squashed, get that fixed um you know when people ask me well what is what what is black lives matter um i think black lives matter is they're, they're pro-human rights they're pro-good cops um and and that's the vast majority of police black lives matter is uh, a movement for pro-justice um and i've talked with uh and reached out to you know several police officers Uh, post-George Floyd uh, because the officers that I know are great people and I care a lot about them and I love them and I want to make sure that they're okay. Um, So I reached out to Deputy Winter who helps me with my driver's ed class. I reached out to Kellen Daniels who is, was one of my players, great player for me. I reached out to Andre Sales who's uh, the captain of the police department in Beloit. He's one of Benny Boyd's childhood friends, and I know him by associating with Benny. Um, and he's, these are great, great people. Uh, I had a great conversation with Scott Wright, who's been in law enforcement for 27 years. He has a great family. Uh, I worked with this family when I was at Bureau Valley. Um, and we had a really good conversation about police work and um, what ultimately. They want, as police officers, is justice. So I think that police work and Black Lives Matter can work together really, really well. Um, unfortunately, there's been some instances where um, some very bad police work has happened, um, and people have gotten killed, and that's just not right. Uh, you know, when when we talk about talked about Tamir Rice getting murdered. Um, He's 12 years old, and within 10 seconds of the police pulling up, that young man was dead. That's not right. Um, Brianna Taylor and um, Dominique Clayton both got shot and killed sleeping in their bed. Um, that's not right. Um, George Floyd. Uh, you know, people say you know George Floyd wasn't the best best human being it was not justice. Justice was not served that day um, when they knelt on that man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Um, that's murder. Uh, you, you get down on a knee for eight minutes and 46 seconds and tell me that it's not murder. Um, so I think understanding that these groups can work together, okay, and understanding that it's for justice. Those are important things. Um, and then Again, understanding that there's a problem, there, there's a systematic problem. Uh, the incarceration, rate, the incarceration rate for African Americans is five times greater than than their white counterpoint. Um, you know, that's that that's not right. Uh, an African American is two and a half times more likely to get killed by a police officer when they're unarmed. Okay, so I, I've had. You know, I've had conversations with my friends and like, man, I understand what you're saying, but but police kill white white people too. So that's true, but black people make up seven percent of our population, and they're getting killed at over twice the rate. Like that that's not right. And these people are unarmed. Okay. So that's problematic. And then what good cops want the people that I know in law enforcement what they want number 1 thing what do they want justice they want justice to be served they want bad folks to have a punishment okay and with black lives matter what do they want they want justice okay so when these bad cops do bad things okay the a huge issue is that justice isn't served then. Okay. And what I mean by that coach Pete is what happens after the fact. So I think the majority of us just look at it like, okay, well, that's a terrible deal. That's a really, really bad situation. That cop's probably going to go to jail for a really long time. Um, that that hasn't been the case. Um, there's, there's a huge justice issue within um, that aspect of, okay, someone, someone got killed, um, terrible. Now there's no justice being served, okay? Um, so again, biggest issues, is acknowledging that there's an issue, right? Acknowledging that there's an issue. Um, educating yourself on some of the problems. Okay, we 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 touched on education, and um, then I went on a tangent there a little bit. But shoot, I I teach history, I teach history, and do I teach anything about Black Wall Street? No, nope. no. Nope. Happened in 1921. 35 city blocks were black owned, and they were wiped out, burnt to the ground, uh, bombed, uh, and burned to the ground. Um, it's a terrible. I mean, it's a terrible story. It's in 1921. Um, acknowledge that there's a problem. We need to fix, we need to fix the problem. Um, our education systems, we talked about the, the police and uh, the undertones of Black Lives Matter. Um, again, I'm pro-law pro enforcement, except for bad cops. Bad cops I don't like, okay? I do not like those folks. Um, so great cops, good cops, Love y'all. Um, if you're killing unarmed people, we're not cool. We're not cool at all. Um, so then let's look at our education system because that's what we are, right? We're we're teachers. So in education, do I as a history teacher touch Black Wall Street? Nope. Uh, do I talk about Juneteenth? Juneteenth is the day that the Blacks were, uh, the African-Americans are freed from being slaves, okay? I knew a little bit about that one because of who my family is and my wife educated me. Uh, She also educated me on Black Wall Street. Um, There's a great movie, uh, it's called The 13th, it's on Netflix, Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, But acknowledge that there's a problem, right? And then educate yourself on systemic racism, okay? Uh, Well, what do you do to educate yourself? I'm on a computer right now. Okay, usually I have my phone within, oh, here it is. My phone's right here. Like I can, I can find any information on this thing, right? So educate yourself. It isn't 1996 where I have to find the right book that talks about these, these issues. I mean, educate yourself, okay? Uh, acknowledge that there's a problem, educate yourself, um, and then listen. Right, um, God gave you two ears, one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. I'm not doing a very good good job of that right now today, um, but in general, right, we need to listen and hear the different different ideas that are that are being put out there. Okay, um, and try to have an understanding. So instead of being defensive, we listen. Um, and then, from there, try to find some common ground. Then diagram. Great yeah. question. A lot of information there.
0: Uh, yeah, you, I kinda, you were saying that you were rambling, but I think it was a guy that asked the question because I think that was a that was a that was a very great, a very good answer. But it, it needed to be that long because it's a it's a you know it's a situation that's it's, it's a one sentence question. But it's got a ton of answers, and, and we need to cover those, and I thought you did that greatly. Uh, we're going to hit on the coaching end of it a little bit, and we've both coached uh, a lot of great uh, African-American kids, and, and you know, I, I look at these names that, that we've talked about, and they're just kids that I've had great relationships with you've had great relationships with. So um, hopefully this won't be as complex, coach, but the Black Lives Matter movement impact. How does that change your coaching, or does it?
1: Sure. Um, great question. And th- these are things that you and I, folks like us, think about, right? These are things that keep us up at night. These are things of, am I doing good by all of my players, right? I know Andrew Dominsky loves me, and I love him. Um, I know that Kellen Daniels loves me and I love him, right? Like we have so many great relationships um, within our program. Um, But I I didn't know, right? I'm sitting there self-reflecting and going, I feel like I have a stronger voice now towards these issues than I did then. Um, And I I hope to continue to grow my voice. But I reached out to a lot of our guys. Uh, I reached out to Julian Harris. Uh, Michael McCain Smith, Javante, Jordan Morey, um Bashan, James Reed, Julian Tev, like the the list goes on. Um, and I reached out to those guys and and asked them, one, are they okay? Right? Because this is this is a tough time. This is a really, really tough time. Um, and it's stressful. Okay. And there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of hurt. Um, so I asked them if they're okay uh, and then um, I asked them about their time with me and their time in the program, right, the Anwan weathersfield football program, because I was teaching at An-Wan, uh and just knew a lot of these guys just through that program, through that lens, and I didn't have them as, as students. So I asked it that direction. Um, and... Honestly, I was blown away and overwhelmed with the positive feedback that I got. Um, a lot of guys talking about, you know, uh, we're we're very inclusive, and everyone felt like family, um, which made me feel very good. Um, I had guys express their their ability to be individuals within a team setting, but still be themselves. Um, so I got some great positive feedback. I was really happy with that. So. You're a coach, I'm a coach. What do we do with positive feedback? Sit there and pat ourselves on the back. Uh, you know, I, I'm the defensive coordinator. Our team just went 12 and 1. Defensively, we're, we're the best Animal this Fields ever been. Now, what do I do moving forward? Do I sit there and go, way to go? Nice job. No, you go to clinics. You talk to people that are smarter than you. You try to figure out other ways to get better, to get better, right? And I think the Black Lives Movement is no different. So, what what am I going to do? Well, I don't I don't know exactly what I'm going to do differently, but I'm going to continue to educate myself. Right, that's important. Um, I'm going to continue to look for ways to make sure all of our kids feel um, you know loved and respected, and um, you know identify as themselves. Like they're they're true to themselves, and I think all those things matter. Uh, a great deal. Um, but to pinpoint it and say, this is what you're, I'm going to do differently. I can't do that right now, but I am going to continue to educate myself and, um, talk with people and, and listen. I hope That's, that answers your question. No,
0: absolutely. It did great. Uh, I'm going to put you on the football field a little bit. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't help I like myself. Let's go. Yeah. I, I couldn't help myself. If I didn't do that. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure this has happened. But you know, you have a player, and they received racial remarks in a game by an opponent. Uh, yeah. How do you handle that situation, and how will you handle it now that you're more educated with what's going on? And how will you handle that in the future?
1: Yeah, great question. I thought we were going to start talking some three, four combo blitzes, under, over fronts. Maybe I'll leave some, that maybe to you. cover two, do okay. some palms.
0: All right. So basketball, I'll leave that to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) to to answer your question. um, Yeah. So this has happened, right? Like I'm not, I'm not naive. Um, I understand that there's certain, certain people who tried to get our kids to trigger um, and have a negative reaction um, to racism, race baiting. Uh, So what I tell our kids, I feel like there's certain situations where you know going into a week, uh, and Coach Willis does an excellent job of talking to our kids about those situations and saying this potentially could could happen. Um, So having that awareness, going into that situation my defensive player. So I'm gonna speak specifically to defense because that's the thing that I run. That's the thing that I'm in charge of, okay? Um, So with defense, um, schematically it doesn't matter. We blitz a lot, we do stunts up front a lot. So we we can move people around. So what I've done in the past is if you're ever in that situation uh, and someone has a racial slur towards you, please let me know. Uh, and And I've said this with cheap shots and um, you know shots to the tenders, and you know all the little not great stuff that sometimes happens, um, you know, how can we handle that? Well, football is unique in its physicality, okay, And if I know that number fifty eight, the right guard is using racial slurs towards um tevin i can have tevin stunt from a defensive line position and come crashing down legally through the rules of the game and take that aggression out in a positive way i don't know if that's the best way to do it um but that's that's the route that i've always used so that our kids have a positive outlet for that anger and for the 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 way that they're being mistreated. Um I've blitzed, you know, players through people, right, who have been who have been using inappropriate language or doing dirty things. So counteracting that with something within the rules of the game, but something that can be very, very physical has been a way that I've handled that situation in the past into the future um i really really hope i mean you're you're a big ihsa i mean you're you're an important person coach p um i really hope that the ihsa you know changes their adjust rules so that the penalty for using a racial slur is substantially greater kids are missing time um, not only the rest of that game but game suspensions Um, i think that that's fair. And if we want change, which we do, um, I think that is how, um, how, how you can do it at the high school level. Um, I, I think I hit Did I hit everything or is there anything else? Yeah,
0: no, it's, and that's the question. And that was kind of my next one too was, you know, how would you handle that if that was your player? But I think you already answered that because, I mean, it's 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 a situation where I know that that's not ever going to be allowed. You know, I was lucky enough to be on the sideline uh, the, the last couple of years as AD, and and I really am impressed by how you coaches interact with kids and handle situations and and things like that. So, uh, it, it's been very 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 impressive. In a in a short uh, little blurb here, and if this is the last question we ask. How do we as educators and coaches teach our students and players uh, not to use racist language and undertones? How can, we, how can we do that as coaches? If this is the last thing, you know, our listeners hear, it's, it's got to be short, concise, and to the point like a text message. So what do you think, Coach? What, what do we need to do to teach and coach? <laughs> Put me on teach? the spot. Okay. I am. I am, buddy. That's why you're here. Educators uh, confronted with racist
1: uh, issues, confront and educate, confront and educate. Confront it, acknowledge it, acknowledge what they're saying, um, confront it and let them know it's not right. It's not right. And typically I feel like people like you and I um, who are well-respected and I think People um think that we're fair, right?
0: Firm but fair, baby. Uh
1: I, I feel like they react very well to that confrontation, right? Even if it's not a kid that I coach, I mean I'm fair to our kids that we don't coach, right? So confront it. Uh have that have that dialogue with them and then educate.
0: No questions. And you brought a lot of avenues up from Netflix to to series and things and books and stuff and, and online education. Uh, We've got a lot of our hands in a computer and a, and a cell phone. There's no question. And watch the
1: 13th on Netflix, 13th, easy
0: hour and 40 minutes. Watch it. Got to, Um, you know, and I'll, I'll follow this up and finish up a little bit. I, uh, I had that situation there uh, a couple years ago in PE class where an undertone was said and I didn't like it. And, And I said, do not, don't say that again. I don't ever want to hear you say that again. That, that bothers me. And their response back was, well, it's okay because I'm talking about my friend. And my response was, I don't care who you're talking about. still not appropriate. And I don't care if your friend thinks it's okay. You know, whether they're white, black, orange, purple, blue, it doesn't matter. That offends me. This is my classroom. And I don't want to hear that. And then that was it. So Done deal. For you to say that, you know, before the fact or after the fact, you know, two years later, I'm glad that I handled that situation well because you never really know until you're the situation has been brought to you, and and you deal with it by reaction, and you hope that that reaction is a solid one and the right one, especially when you're dealing with kids, um, especially in education, and and. You know I, I just want to thank you for being on here. This is a tough topic to talk about, but you know it has to be heard and, and our opinions have to be heard and we just can't sit back on our hands and say, "Oh, it'll just go away because it may go away, but it's going to come back you know it's it's like the hole that you're trying to cover on defense if you don't do something about it, it's going to be there in the fourth quarter and you don't want it there in the fourth quarter so this is something that I'm very glad of, as as us as coaches and 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 educators that we can address this and uh, hopefully make a difference. You know, if we can get to one person, listen to this. And, you know, if we get over a hundred listeners or more, we can get one person's mind to say, you know what, this makes sense. I think we've done our job. So thank you.
1: I appreciate you having me on coach it means a lot that you think of me in this life.
0: Hey, you know what, buddy, uh, you were spot on when I was reading stuff on Twitter and, and, I just felt like it it needs to be addressed for our community. It needs to be addressed for um, our kids. More importantly, you know, if we don't have kids to teach and coach, what are we doing right now? You know, it's,
1: you got it, man.
0: It's what it it is. I just want to say it again, publicly. I love following your stories on Snapchat with your kids. You're an awesome dad and they're lucky to have you and you're lucky to have them, but man, howdy, I'm going to come over sometime and, we're going to have some fun. I'm not going to be as good as your boys. I'm going to tell you that right now, but we'll have fun <laughs> doing it. it. It is awesome to watch. Um,
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate
0: that. You betcha. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this talk with Coach Joe Schmidt as much as I have. Stay tuned for the next episode of Beyond the Baseline with Coach P.